You're listening to Asia First Weekend Edition this Saturday morning with me, Justine Moss. A very good morning to you. Crossing now to Simon Marks, our U.S. Bureau Chief in Washington, D.C. Good morning, Simon. Hello, Justine. Thanks so much for joining us here once again and keeping us updated. Lots to talk about uh, today as usual. Let's start off with uh, U.S. employers adding 194,000 jobs in September. It is a weak showing. Uh, people did avoid uh, things like restaurants and, and travel, of course, amid another coronavirus surge. Yeah, I mean, this was a real surprise because the markets were anticipating numbers closer to the half a million range in terms of numbers of new jobs being created in September. And in the event, the number was only 194,000. If you actually uh, take a look online, you'll find video clips of some of the business channels here uh, where the hosts are clearly very surprised by the numbers as they were uh, published by the Department of Labor on Friday morning. Uh, President Biden, perhaps rather bravely, took to uh, the briefing room at the White House uh, to tell reporters that this was all still good news because the nation's uh, unemployment rate had fallen to 4.8%. Uh, but nonetheless, there is, I think, now growing concern and a growing body of evidence to suggest that there are some real structural issues in this labor market uh, in the aftermath of the COVID-19 pandemic, specific among them, the disappearance of around 3 million people from the marketplace of people out there that are actively looking for work. And it seems pretty evident that while there are key sectors, uh, the hospitality sector particularly, uh, the restaurant sector, and of course the travel industry, uh, that are not creating jobs as rapidly as analysts had anticipated, it also seems pretty evident that there are lots of Americans who have used the pandemic as a punctuation mark in terms of their careers, in some cases simply choosing to retire early, get out of the labor market. In other cases, uh, they're looking for jobs that are not full-time, occasional work. Uh, and so this is one of the reasons why we're still seeing uh, shortages of staff in many key sectors. Uh, so I think no question that this is uh, worrying uh, for a Biden administration that this week saw the president's approval rating uh, crater to a record low of 38 percent in the Quinnipiac University poll. And that, by the way, is a poll that Republicans often complain is soft on Democrats. Joe Biden's rating uh, in that poll dropping another four points over three weeks, uh, now down below the average approval rating that Donald Trump enjoyed during his presidency. The Trump average approval rating was 41 percent, Joe Biden now at 38 percent, and most worryingly for the White House, uh, a majority of Americans not only saying uh, to that poll that they don't believe that Joe Biden is competent in government or an effective leader, but a majority of Americans also telling those pollsters that they do not believe uh, that they can have confidence in President Biden's stewardship of the economy. So uh, there's no question that this was uh, another knock for the White House. Next week, of course, uh, it's possible that there will be fresh data uh, that turns things around a little bit. But this definitely was not uh, the scale of job creation that the administration or the markets were hoping to see. Mm, but despite uh, that that jobs report, um, stocks did cling to some weekly gains, um, finished that volatile week with, with some strong gains. 
Uh, yes, although on the day, uh, all the mm. indices here were down. The Dow Jones Industrial Average ended the uh, day just marginally down, uh, 0.03% in value. The S&P 500 down uh, just uh, 0.19% in value. And the Nasdaq down uh, about half a percentage point in value. There are other concerns that have been weighing on the markets, uh, including fresh evidence of supply chain uh, problems here in the United States and, of course, elsewhere. Uh, still very, very difficult to find uh, supplies, for example, in the construction industry, often a bellwether uh, of economic recovery. Uh, I think buoying the markets a little bit was the announcement by the OECD in Paris that 136 separate countries now are backing that global minimum corporate tax of 15 percent, uh, which on the one hand may not be great news for some multinationals that have been exploiting tax loopholes, but on the other hand is potentially good news for revenues around the world, uh, government revenues around the world, because it's got the uh, capacity to generate uh, billions of dollars in additional tax payments uh, that, of course, so many governments and so many jurisdictions uh, badly need. Uh, next week, the markets are going to be looking at uh, consumer confidence numbers. Those are going to be key in the aftermath of this jobs report. And also we head back into earnings season with some of the uh, major banks uh, publishing uh, their quarterly earnings. Uh, and again, I think the markets will be keeping a very close eye on all of that because every gauge of where things are heading here uh, with regard to an economic recovery from the pandemic are going to be very keenly observed. Mm. Simon, let's talk about some other news this week about the US Senate uh, voting 50 to 48 to temporarily raise the nation's debt limit by $480 billion. Mind-boggling figure there. Um, now, it, it did avoid a historic default. Uh, some experts say that would have totally sort of crippled and devastated the economy. Uh, yeah, not just the American economy, but potentially it would have provoked global fiscal uh, instability and crisis because the United States is, sees itself and, and absolutely is the fiscal rock on which the rest of the world depends. I mean, we are in a pretty extraordinary political position here. Last week, you'll remember that at the 11th hour, uh, Congress managed to avert a government shutdown. This week, they've averted the possibility uh, of the United States in the middle of the month uh, defaulting on its borrowing. Um, but in both cases, all they've managed to do is kick the can down the road to December. So I can tell you that um, members of the reporting fraternity here are already dreading Christmas because there's a whole, an enormous possibility of a cascading set of deadlines as we get towards the end of the year. Uh, with politics here so polarized now between President Biden and his Republican opponents that, you know, it becomes a matter of legislative triumph when they vote to keep the government open or to avoid defaulting on America's debts. Uh, it, it, the week was dominated by President Biden insisting that the Republicans were playing Russian roulette uh, with the nation's finances by indicating that if the Democrats wanted to raise the debt ceiling, they needed to do it by themselves because the Republicans weren't going to join in that endeavor. It was Mitch McConnell, the Republican leader in Congress, who ended up blinking and caving in and saying to the Democrats, OK, well, we'll let you on this occasion pass a stopgap measure with a simple majority. But that doesn't resolve uh, the long term issue. And that's before we get 
to those other huge spending bills that are still in the in-tray for Congress, the infrastructure bill, uh, President Biden's, as it was initially uh, proposed, three and a half trillion dollar uh, public expenditure bill. So all of these things are intertwined. And uh, the fact that once again, they've gone to the mat over something as basic as whether the United States is going to continue servicing debts, not on new public expenditure, but on all the old stuff that has been run up by uh, Democrat presidents and Republican presidents alike for decades, is pretty extraordinary that you have to get to the 11th hour and 59th minute in order to avoid sparking a global fiscal crisis. But let's accentuate the positive. At least they've done it through until December. Mm, yes, exactly. You're listening to Asia First Weekend Edition this Saturday morning with me, Justine Moss, speaking with Simon Marks, our US Bureau Chief in Washington, D.C. Simon, let's just switch gears here. And, and a story that really just came to light this week, even though it happened last weekend, U, US nuclear submarine sustaining damage, uh, some crew members injured when it struck an object um, while operating uh, at depth in the South China Sea. U.S. Navy only confirming this this week, and China has demanded more information. Yeah, uh, and some of the information China is demanding is whether there was any kind of nuclear leak from this submarine. Uh, this is the USS Connecticut. It's a Navy Seawolf-class submarine, and it's understood that it was operating uh, on the seabed uh, of the South China Sea, uh, there have been some suggestions that perhaps what it collided with was the seabed, although the uh, U.S. Navy has specifically described this as a collision with an object. Uh, and the Navy Times here, which is the newspaper for the U.S. Navy, uh, says that their sources suggest that it wasn't another vessel and wasn't the seabed itself with which this uh, submarine collided. There are some reports here, speculation, uh, that perhaps it hit a sunken ship in the South China Sea. Perhaps it hit a shipping container that had fallen from another vessel. Uh, or perhaps there's something down there that simply doesn't show up on the naval charts that, of course, uh, the submarine uh, navigators use as uh, these uh, craft make their way through these waters. But this has become another irritant in terms of the US relationship with China. In a week in which more broadly there appeared to have been a bit of a breakthrough, that meeting between National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan and uh, top Chinese uh, diplomat Yang Jichu uh, in Zurich that led to an agreement in principle uh, for a virtual summit to be held between President Xi and President Biden before the end of the year. Uh, but this is an irritant because the Chinese say uh, the United States ought to be transparent about what exactly took place, not least because they are uh, expressing concerns about the impact uh, of what might have taken place when that collision uh, occurred. Uh, so uh, the U.S. officials said earlier in the week that the submarine was limping back uh, to port, that there were no serious injuries on board, but it certainly still appears to remain uh, a pretty substantial mission. The assumption here uh, is that the submarine and its crew were engaged in some kind of covert surveillance mission, which is why uh, we're not getting very much information about what they were doing down there.
Simon, let's uh, just finish off with uh, President Joe Biden restoring the boundaries of three American nature reserves. They're known as national monuments. Um, They were reduced in size by former President Donald Trump to allow a commercial activity. But now uh, Mr. Biden is restoring those boundaries. Uh, Yeah, two of them are in Utah. Uh, the Bears Ears and Grand Staircase Escalante monuments, which between them comprise more than uh, 3.2 million acres, vast, vast tracts of land. Uh, And then there is uh, an offshore area uh, off the New England coast um, that under an order that President Trump issued uh, was suddenly stripped of its protections and allowed to be used for commercial fishing. Uh, in the case of Bears Ears and the Grand Staircase Escalante monuments, uh, the change uh, meant that uh, companies that wanted to operate uh, drilling, for example, uh, in those parts of Utah could start considering uh, business projects there. Joe Biden, uh, in overturning those moves by President Trump today, uh, described this as the easiest decision he has yet had to make as president. Remember uh, that there have been all sorts of things that President Trump did that Joe Biden has been uh, overturning. Uh, But he said today that uh, these uh, areas uh, um, uh, exhibit unique biodiversity. Uh, He uh, was talking about uh, the the um, the two uh, sites in Utah as being places of healing, places of reverence and a sacred homeland uh, to generations of native peoples. This move is not without controversy, particularly in Utah, where uh, Senator Mitt Romney, remember a former uh, presidential candidate for the Republicans and now uh, a Republican senator representing the state, uh, accusing President Biden of failing to build consensus um, and simply using uh, these Utah monuments as what he called a political football between administrations. He is uh, favoring a permanent solution uh, rather than, uh, you know, this kind of ping pong match where one president does one thing and then another president overturns it. And then who knows, maybe there'll be a Republican president in 2024 and he'll reverse what Joe Biden has done. Nonetheless, for the Native American uh, community uh, in Utah, particularly uh, this, a very welcome move. And uh, remember that with regard to the relationship uh, with Native American communities, President Biden has already done something that no other president has done, which is uh, to put the Department of the Interior, which is the government department responsible for all of these monuments and uh, federally protected lands. It's now led by a woman of Native American descent for uh, the very first time. So this uh, further indication that the balance in that relationship Uh, between the federal government and native communities is beginning to shift. Simon, thank you so much for talking to us here once again in Singapore and keeping us updated. Thanks, Justine. Talk to you soon.